Welcome to Sexually Speaking with Shannon. If this is your first time joining us, just a heads up, as noted by the title of the podcast, some of the topics that we talk about are a little sensitive. So if there are little ears around, you may want to put in your headphones if you haven't already. Another thing to note is if you have young adults in your family, this may provide a great platform of conversation. And that's exactly what I'm hoping you get out of this is just conversation with your friends and with maybe your partner or even with your young adult children. There are a lot of different things that are going on in our world today, in our society. A lot of, a lot of uh, sexuality discussion is in the media and you are the best person to pro provide great conversations with people and shedding light on topics that need to be talked about. So we're glad that you're joining us today. Today we're starting our series on sex through the ages. We'll be talking with a couple of women, a couple of young women in their 20s, about what it's like to be a woman in their 20s and navigating the dating and the sex and the intimacy. And it's a lot different than some of you that may be a little bit older. And um, I can't wait to hear the feedback. So. This show is based on the feedback and the stories that I hear at my peer romance parties. Uh, for those of you that don't know my story, I was in the social service field about 13 years ago when I was laid off at my job. And I decided to do this thinking it was kind of like a social service as well, helping people learn about their bodies and have better relationships. And I thought I would just do it until I found a real job. And here I am 13 years later, just enjoying meeting all these different people from you know, several different parties a week and hearing their stories. And so many of my friends have said, you've got to write a book. You've got to do something with all these stories that you're telling us. So I finally decided I would love for you to hear the voices of the people at my parties. Now they have been, uh, their names have been changed. So to keep confidentiality, but I hope you enjoy their stories and I hope it provides a great way to um, maybe change a perspective that you had and have a conversation with someone new about sexuality. So without further ado, you're sexually speaking with Shannon. So today we have Callie and I met Callie, I think it was a couple years ago at a party and it was, it was just a lot, it was a lot of young mothers. I remember that. And Callie's going to tell you more. But the thing that struck a chord with me was the first party I met Callie at. She was a little more reserved, very quiet, kind of taking everything in. And then she, I kind of remember Callie, the, the chronological order. And then you attended another party, right? Isn't that right? Um, I think it was, I hosted one. Or you hosted one. That's right. You yeah. hosted your first party. Yeah. And she had this a little more confidence to her and a little more excitement and you know she's much more engaged the second time so i feel like that happens a lot when it's your first pure romance party you're hearing all these things it's a little overwhelming but the more i got to know callie the more i just loved hearing the story of how she you know went from not knowing much about this stuff and being a young married mother and kind of navigating the challenges of intimacy and then you know just her being a little more vulnerable with me and having this side of um, passion for sharing information with her friends so going from that like quiet not so sure about it to now like 
I want to encourage everybody to have a healthy sex life, which is, I love it. It's so cool. So Kelly, I just wanted to hear kind of a little bit about you and, you know, how you grew up. Was it, was it an open discussion with your parents when you were growing up about sex or did you find out more stuff from your friends or was it, um, you know, TV or movies that you learned the bulk of information from, or did you not know much at all? Like just share a little bit about your, you know, childhood experience with, with like love and intimacy and sex in general. Yes. Okay. Well, honestly, the first time I really heard about sex was my dad sitting down to do like a little purity study with us, but it wasn't like in depth. So I knew I wasn't supposed to like, well, what I thought it was is not kiss a boy. <laughs> so it kind of like went on and on. I was like, okay, well, I just won't kiss a boy or whatever. Then church came in and started doing this big thing on guys need to guard their sexuality and be aware about the temptations and don't do this, don't do that. It was all like focused on the guys. So I started thinking, oh, it, that sex is just for guys and I don't have to worry about it. And it's not, you know, my thing. And then you know, it was open-ended to the point where I could ask my mom questions, but my well-meaning mother just kind of, she was brought up Baptist just like I was, so it was kind of like, it was a no-no, you just, you just don't do it, you don't talk about it, and I didn't even know what, like, masturbation was for a long time, so it was kind of like, um, like, one of the big things was my mom had said at one point, I can't remember if it was when we were actually having the sex talk or we were just um, talking, I don't know. But um, she had said something it, like, you know, she was well-meaning, like my mom tried, but it, she just said, it's really just for them. Not sure like of why we would want it and all that. So I just went into marriage thinking, oh, well, sex is just uh, for him and like a chore and not really like something I'd enjoy. So my mindset was kind of warped in that way. And until my first pure romance party, I didn't know I could enjoy sex. So it's kind of sad at the same time, but um, I don't know, like it was just very, I, I don't know. As soon as I discovered pure romance, it's like that Pandora's box was open and I convinced my mom to come to my first party that I hosted <laughs> and that opened the box for us now. And we can really, talk on a much deeper level and helped my siblings with that too. And I think it's just kind of like, it was a suppressed thing for a while. And yeah, I don't know. I don't really know how else to elaborate on that. Unless That's great. So, so just to, just to recap. So you said, so you were raised in a fairly conservative Baptist upbringing. Yeah. <laughs> Very. <laughs> and your dad attempted to kind of give you the talk. Was it just you that he had? Well, yeah. He, yeah, he got a book. My dad's a very closed up person. So he thought I already knew what sex was. I was like 11 or 12. So I didn't know even the basics at the time because I was homeschooled. So like in, a, in the, like the roundabout way that I can say this is like, I really did not know how it worked until I was like 14, I think it was. <laughs> I always thought it was, you know, you just, I don't know. Like, I really didn't know what sex was until I was 14. 
Wow. And, and you didn't have kids to interact with on a daily basis to kind of have, well, was it more of a smaller, like home I mean, that you would meet with? Yeah. And it was, um, it was church that I had the most interaction with and got into like a really bad crowd for a little while. So I knew all the sexual jokes and all of that. And by the time I was 14, I like completely understood what it was and like intimacy wise, but I had like no, there was a lot of like trauma things when it came to it. Mm -hmm. Um, just being like bullied about it and stuff like that. So I kind of became withdrawn from sex and had like that sex is bad and the guy just tries to take it and it's just him and it's just, that's all it was. And it was more of a traumatized by other guys and stuff like that and not knowing fully what sex was. Mm -hmm. That's what caused that trauma because it would have been an easy thing to figure out if I would have known. So these were, these were boys your age that were in a sense, were they at church? Was this the bad crowd that you were Yeah. 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 They were, they were the crowd that like came from the public school just to go to hang out. It wasn't really a great youth group. There wasn't a whole lot of Bible, honestly. So it was more like a hangout. Mm -hmm. So it got, it just got to the point where it was, uh, it, it was more, it just got to the point where some of it was on the verge of sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And it got to that point where I'm like, I didn't understand it. So it felt worse than it could have, even though it was so bad. Does that make sense? <laughs> I'm yeah. like rambling now. It's no, I understand. It's it, to me, it sounds like there were two worlds that were colliding. You had this safe homeschool space where you learned, okay, this is something for guys as you get older and you get married. And then you have these public school kids that come and they, you typically I'm generalizing, but typically homeschool kids don't have as much access to the conversations that public school kids do because there's more of them and more, more parents that are raising their kids in different ways. So you had these other public school kids that come and you had some uh, negative interaction sexually is what you're saying. And your response was, it's all bad. I'm just closing up shop. My dad was right. This is the best. Okay. (laughs) My mom was right. It's just for the guys and it's theirs for the taking and I don't have a voice. So I'm just going to stay away from it. Yep. Pretty much. Okay. That was all my assumption. So I'm glad that was good. I thought that was <laughs> okay. So, so you're 22 now, mm-hmm. yeah, and you've got children, yes, and you've been married for how long? <laughs> Four years in February. Four years, so you got married yeah. pretty young. I was 18, <laughs> just turned 18. <laughs> and what was that like getting married? at 18 and and i'm assuming that you still had that mentality that that sex was just for the man i did somewhat because i went through 
a stage where I did end up discovering masturb masturbation right before I got married. So I realized what, you know, like the actual, like what it's actually supposed to feel like and all that. And then hey, I still had that. It what? can be pleasurable for me, right? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. Yeah. But I still had that mental trauma and emotional trauma. Mm -hmm. So even though it was like, when I met my husband, I was 17. I was, I mean, I was like only like two or three months away from turning 18, but he was, uh, um, he was like my first positive dating, physical, like emotional experience with a guy, mm -hmm. um, other than like friendships. And it was like, it was great until the honeymoon night and we actually tried to have like penetration then it got bad so we would we would like mess around and like you know the what you call it um they call that something how you i don't remember my brother called it something but basically that messing around until the right before the wedding night or whatever and it was it was great i was actually um like becoming aroused and everything and everything was good to go until the wedding night and we tried to have actual sex like actual penetration and then it's like my whole body shut down and I had like a mental block there and it hurt and it just kept hurting over and over and over and it was like after a while it became it didn't hurt as much mm -hmm. but it it was still like a chore. I didn't get anything out of it. And you know, it hurt my husband, it hurt me. And then of course, then I found my first pure romance party and realized a bunch of things that I should have a couple years ago, <laughs> should have known a couple years ago, but. What were some of the things that you learned? Um, well, one of them was I felt like like less of a woman because I couldn't become aroused, like have my own lubrication mm -hmm. um, before I f like um, being, being only 18, it felt like I was failing as a woman, not knowing, not being able to self lubricate, but then found out a lot of other hormonal issues and stuff like that. Then I started using lube because I heard that, you know, I don't remember the right percentage, but the majority of women prefer lube. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, that's all I needed to hear was that the majority of women are okay with that. So I, that was one of the things. And then the other thing was hearing masturbation is healthy because I always thought I was, I felt guilty and like ashamed um, back in high school and uh, before I got married and all of that. So that was the other thing. And then really exploring my own body and being okay with that. Mm -hmm. And then you mentioned something about the blindfold at one point and trying that gave me confidence and him confidence. So it like, it was a game changer for us. And that's just something as simple as a blindfold. That's crazy. Yeah, it was really simple. And I hear, I hear the kids now. Yeah. <laughs> They're going away. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. It's real life. We want real stories. Yeah. <laughs> so, that, that plays in. so, so Kelly, how, what was your husband's response to this 
change and shift in your perspective as far as sexuality goes. And, you know, was he apprehensive about you going to this party? Um, no, he was excited for me to go. Um, I ended up uh, going with my sister-in-law because I was a little nervous about it, but I was excited. I was on that verge of realizing what needed to be done for our sex life because somebody had told me that this could help and everything. So when I did go and I came back with all of these like goodies, he's, it, it was like a complete change in my personality. Mm-hmm. So at first it scared him. <laughs> he got a little scared, <laughs> but after a while of, uh, actually, um, like, which not, not like, um, I don't want to say making him do it, but convincing him to do it with the blindfold and um, stuff like that. He he kind of opened up and started getting used to me being over eccentric for, about this stuff. So that was good. <laughs> it took him a while though. Like, who is this woman? Where did yeah. you come from? Well, and I'm sure it was a turn on for him that you were taking the initiative to try different things and that you were doing it in, in an effort to have a better sex life with your husband. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it took him a second though, cause we were spending money on it. Uh-huh. He, was, he made a joke about it being the only free thing he had. <laughs> so it took him a while mainly because of the price. And uh-huh. then he realizes now he's like, get whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> it's priceless. Yeah. <laughs> So as I said before, you have been kind of encouraging your friends and even your family, as you said, you, you told your mom to be at your first party and how have those conversations gone? Because I'm assuming that, and I think you may have told me this before, that many of your friends just don't talk about this. Yeah, it's, it's one of those unspoken things. You just don't say it. You don't talk about it. Um, saying like vagina or penis is wrong and against everything they believe in or whatever. But um, it, I remember when I hosted my very first party, I invited a friend from church um, who's very involved in the church. And she just, she just said that, you know, she didn't want to go because she wanted to be a role model to the high school girls. And that to me kind of brought me back to when I was in high school and how that might've been something to encourage them when they got married to be able to do stuff like this. And I think the main thing that's been hurting me or hurting, hitting me is some of them have the right thinking about sex, but they're not open enough to help someone who might not have the right thinking about sex. So I don't even care anymore what they think of me or what they're going to say about me, because if I'm going to help just one person like me out there, I'm going to do it. And I'm, I'm not going to be too afraid of who I'm going to, whose toes I'm going to step on when I do it. So. I love it. Was there, (laughs) speaking of people like you, is there anything, you know, I just think about the teenage version of you and is there anything you think you could have maybe said or encouraged to help you have a voice to, um, I guess, you know, keep from having those negative feelings and interactions that you had with the sexual harassment and the, 
you know, borderline sexual assault. I'm not sure exactly what happened, so I don't know what to call it, but, you know, is there something that you wish you could tell your old self, your old self, or maybe someone that's going through something similar to, to tell them, you know, you have a voice or anything like that? Um, yeah, uh, kind of thought about that one. Um, basically, well, first of all, like I would have told myself to tell someone and that it's not okay that, um, basically that no matter what, you know, you're beautiful, your body is beautiful, but it's yours and it's your choice. Um, there was a, I guess it's more of a, I just get upset when it comes to the wrong thinking of sex. So I would have just, I don't even know how to word it, but basically would want to just explain to everyone and tell everyone that it's, it's okay. It's not, it's not a sin. There's, that's the biggest one that I've always come across and that, um, gosh, basically take everything you've heard from everybody about sex and throw it out the window to start anew. That's basically all I can think of right now. That's good. That's good. Just wipe that slate clean and figure it out for yourself. And starting with it's your body. I think that's perfectly said. It's your body. It's beautiful the way it is. And you have a right to choose what to do with it, what not to do with it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I hope that it resonates with someone and I just appreciate you taking your, this time to, to, you know, especially away from your family. Cause I know you've got your littles that you're going to hang out with after this, but we really appreciate the time that you're spending with us. And I'm sure that it's going to help shed some light for some people like you. So thank you so much, Callie. Thank you. So our next guest is Kinsey and I, I just love Kinsey's spirit and her energy. And the way that I met her was I, she actually had a party and she's a college student. So I, the, the party was in kind of like an apartment dorm type of place. And one of the things I remember about Kinsey is just her fun, bubbly attitude and, um, going into her bedroom, she has this mirror and she has post-it notes all over it. And they say these words of affirmation, like you are beautiful. You don't need him. Do you, do you still have that up Kinsey? I do. Yeah, you do. And I just, I took a picture of it because I thought it was such a great idea. And that's something that I haven't seen in many, in many apartments of women your age. So I just, that really stuck out in my mind. And what ended up happening was it was kind of one of those off evenings where everyone had something going on. It was right before the holidays. So ended up being Kinsey and two of her friends and myself just sitting around the table talking about sex and dating and social media. And I really got this inside perspective on what it's like to be in your twenties in college 
dating. And it just blew my mind how I want, I'm not going to tell you when I went to college, Kinsey, but <laughs> <laughs> there was not Facebook, there was not Tinder. And, and I just trying to figure out how to navigate through that, like just trying to navigate dating in college and, you know, sex and, and the whole connecting with other other people that alone was difficult then so adding that whole social media aspect in it just blew my mind so I'm excited to share Kinsey's story with you all and I'm sure that it's going to resonate with some of you some of you are old enough to be Kinsey's mom so I want you to to take into consideration the things that she's talking about because you can have conversations with your college students on this or at least try to and really have an idea of how you can be a support for them and having positive conversations about sexuality and just being a resource or helping them go to a right resource to find what they need. So, so Kinsey, thank you so much for joining me tonight. I know that you are super busy with your schedule, being a busy college student, you're working and studying and all that good stuff. So um, yeah. can you tell us a little bit how you were raised and kind of the messages that surrounded sexuality and some of your first memories? Of yeah, definitely. Sexuality. Um, so I was raised in the South where, you know, a huge part of my life was church. Um, and my dad was raised Catholic. So we went to church every Sunday. Um, and one of the main messages when we had our little um, kids group um, was basically just, um, it's bad. Don't be in a relationship like this young don't start relationships till you're 17 don't you know have sex because it's just bad it's plain bad um and then going into school um still in the south basically um the sex education just it um it was like we were talking about from mean girls um like having sex is bad and you will die. Like that's basically, you know, what um, people were saying. They didn't, you know, educate you about, you know, the STDs and like how to be safe. And like, there wasn't any option with that. And um, so that was kind of hard going into high school and thinking like, everything's bad. Like I can't have sex. I can't, you know, explore relationships or dating or anything because it's you know I'll be looked down on or you know but and then did you feel at the same time were you a someone that was super boy crazy or you know were you were you dating anyone or what what was your perspective um, it's bad but I also have so feelings yeah, so um, when I was in high school, um, kind of being restricted from that kind of made me want it more with anything really, but um, especially with relationships. And um, I think that kind of made me boy crazy. And um, I did, you know, lust after a couple guys or whatever. But um, I think having those thoughts in my mind kind of made it worse and kind of made it harder for me just thinking that it's just bad. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think I, I don't remember where I heard this, but you know, as, as people, as humans, we have like so much willpower that we have to use. Yeah. And I think it's probably a lot less when you're in high school. I'm just saying there's so many mixed messages. So mm -hmm. I can only imagine 
how you're, you're like, I want this, but I don't, but I can't, but yep. it's bad, but it's, you know, all these things. Did yep. you ever, did you have any positive sexual experiences with, with dating or people in high school? Um, um, in high school, I had a couple boyfriends and, um, they were super respectful, which kind of changed my view on how guys will always treat you poorly and, you know, for my parents and like how I need to watch out what I do and stuff. And so that kind of helped and they turned out to be really good friends actually. So. Well, that's good. Yeah. Do you have any negative experiences that you wish you could have gone back and maybe give yourself a heads up or tell yourself um, to approach it differently? I think just in high school, uh, being, you know, 16, 17, 15, um, a lot of people, you know, don't really know what they want and don't know what a relationship is. And so there's a lot of like cheating and like all this kind of stuff. And there were several times where I was cheated on and it kind of, um, scarred me for future relationships. So that was pretty difficult for sure. Mm -hmm. So how did social media play? Because I'm guessing you did have Facebook and yeah. and things like that in high school, right? Yeah, in high school. Um, in college, it kind of changed. But in high school, um, the if you saw a boy in school and you knew his name, but he didn't really know you, you would, you know, add him on Facebook and message him on Facebook or, you know, like a picture of his on Instagram and then, you know, initiate that kind of like conversation. So it kind of helped because I'm not good at confrontation. And so I can, you know, go up to a guy and ask him for his number. I would go on Facebook and ask him for his number. <laughs> and how did that go? Um, it went good most of the time, just yeah. because I was able to say what I wanted to say without, you know, him laughing in my face or his friends being around or, uh -huh. yeah. Wow. That is so different. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> notes. So, so then you get to college and what's, what's that like? College. I, you know, they tried to prepare us in high school, but it's, it's so different. Um, especially with social media and stuff. I, you know, have friends I'm not even friends with on Facebook and, um, it's just super different. And then, you know, you have the dating apps that come into play like Tinder and Bumble. And then you have Snapchat that became huge. And there are, you know, accounts for college students and stuff with stuff with that. So that kind of helps like, um, meet people good and bad. So, <laughs> but it, it was definitely different from high school for sure. Yeah. So some of the, some of the apps that you were showing me, I was just, my mind was blown because <laughs> I won't name them, but cause I don't want to give them credit or <laughs> advertising, free advertising. Yeah. But if I remember correctly, you, you were showing me like a certain app that people would send in their pictures and then like the owner of the app would decide whether or not they get posted. And mm -hmm. so, and they're usually like a little more explicit and mm -hmm. um, some there's definitely like nude pictures that you said there were some that like were people having sex on there. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. sometimes they would, he would say, so the owner of the app would say, no, you're not hot enough. It's like hot or not. And then yeah. 
Arhat, you you have to pay sometimes to be on there. Is that right? Um, sometimes. Um, but yeah, his account, uh, I know the owner of the account, but, um, yeah, that's basically, um, he would, you know, flip through the pictures that people would send in and it's kind of like, um, I guess people are looking for that, um, confidence if he posts it and people can like comment on the picture and everything. And it gives, you know, people, a reason to like keep coming back to the account and everything and of course there's the you know the nude pictures and the people having sex on it and stuff so it's it's super different but um I mean yeah. I guess so it's not really for dating but it's no. for like shock value and for yeah. um short like quick ego boosts yeah definitely like, look at this hot picture of me that just happens to be the perfect lighting and I held it up perfectly and you can't see my face, but look at my hot body and it, they post it and then you go back and you're like, oh my gosh, I have 200 likes and like five people said that they want to hook up with me. Yeah. In so many words. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So that's, so what are like some of the go-tos that, that most college students and, and maybe even you that you find that you're comfortable and you're like, oh, this is a good, a good way to meet like some good people that I can date. Um, so Tinder, I've had Tinder since I graduated high school and started, uh, going to college. Um, so I've had it for four years now. And, um, I, uh, there, people are very mixed on that app. It's either you want to hook up or you want to date. Um, and I actually found my boyfriend of two and a half years on that app. <laughs> um, so that was pretty cool. Um, but it's, um, it's good to like meet people on that app for sure. And I know pretty much everybody has it. <laughs> like Tinder is a huge, huge thing in college. So it's just hard to find the right people on that app so yeah yeah it's not real in-depth right it's just like more no. yeah yeah basic likes and dislikes right yeah so are you dating now um I am seeing somebody but I am not I'm we're not official yet so you haven't had like the verbal nope. <laughs> okay okay and how did nope. you meet we actually met on tinder <laughs> so that's, I mean, he's a super awesome guy, so Good. it's nice, but. So do you, do you have many friends that actually meet, like, in class? Um, I know my freshman year of college, I met a lot of people in class, and um, this semester, um, when I switched schools, I um, got a couple people's numbers that I was in class with um, to study with and everything. Um, and I think it's pretty common, but uh, people just have their groups, um, group of friends at the beginning of the school year um, that they just latch on to. And so people don't really branch out in class or anything, really. Mm -hmm. so. And what are, what are some of the challenges of trying to explore sexuality and dating as a college student? Um, in college, it's, it's really difficult. Um, I was told going into college that it would be easy because, you know, you have all these resources and, um, you can talk to people, but, um, 
it's super different. Like, um, so I'm bisexual. And uh, when I told my parents about it, uh, my dad told me that it was just a phase because that's what college is for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of hard because it's, um, it's a stigma that a lot of people have that, you know, girls especially going to college and um, they explore, but it's not really like a lifestyle like people, you know, say. So it's, it's always just a phase for people. But um, I mean, it, it's easy in college to explore. It's just the opinions that kind of get to people. Mm-hmm. The opinions of your parents, your friends, like, you know, counselors or, you know, yeah. So when did you, when did you know that you were bisexual or that you? So, um, I kind of had that, um, in my head for several years and then, um, it's kind of the reason why me and my boyfriend broke up, but, um, I figured it out about a year ago. And then told my parents, so. That's a big deal to tell your parents, especially since. Yeah. We're the ones. Oh, is that a Tinder alert right now? Oh, no, it's a text message. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that must have been very difficult. But, I mean, I respect you for being open and honest with your parents. Thank you, yeah. And having that conversation. Yeah, I know I've heard, I've heard several people that just say they have this gut feeling that they are open to people and being in love with people and that they don't want to limit that to uh, gender. Right. Is that kind of how you felt? Yeah. Um, there was, I mean, even in high school, there was, um, I mean, my friends always talked about it. Um, you know, what, like, what, it, what is it like, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And um, then I got to college and, you know, kept kind of thinking about it and, you know, didn't really have an idea, but, um, kind of found myself, uh, my sophomore year and things just kind of clicked and I knew that this was who I was and yeah. Where did you, how did you find yourself? How did I? Yeah. Or where? Um, (laughs) yeah, I guess. Yeah, so um, I had a couple friends who um, came out that they were bisexual, and they kind of talked to me about it and um, told me, like, hey, do you feel this way? And so I started um, seeing one of my friends, actually, um, and we were kind of together for about a month or so, um, but she kind of, like, showed me the ropes and, like, helped me when I came out to my parents and everything so wow and you two are still friends yeah yeah wow yeah it's super awesome so there's a lot of resources on campus too there's and on every college campus for Mm -hmm. LGBTQ and Mm -hmm. you know I mean of course there's tons of resources as far as um got all kinds of different beliefs and hobbies and things like that. Have you, have you reached out to any of those resources or attended any events or anything? I have. um, So there was actually the um, gay pride in Denver that I went to with a couple of my friends. 
Um, and that was super awesome. Um, cause it was a bunch of kids from college and everything. Um, but there's, um, the counselors and everything at, um, school, they're super, super helpful and super understanding. And, um, I've been seeing somebody for counseling for four years now. It's the same person and she's helped me, you know, come out to my parents and everything. And, um, and it's, I mean, it's super great. And, uh, especially with, you know, what my parents did say, I think it's almost necessary that, you know, you get counseling, especially now when people are still super skeptical about the whole idea of it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think therapy is excellent for anybody just talking, just being able to talk out loud. Yeah. Someone else weigh in on that. Well, let's see, Kenzie. I'm trying to think of what else. Oh, you know what? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? So, you know, when I, I think back to when I was in college and I had this idea that I would probably get married, but it seemed like such a pie in the sky thing. And where would I ever find someone weird enough as I was? Yeah. And is that, is it even possible that I could be with someone for the rest of my life? I don't know. You know, I just, there are so many thoughts that I think each person goes through. So do you have, do you have those conversations with your friends? Like where will Kenzie be? Because you're 22 now. So where will you be when you're 32? Will you be in a relationship? Do you hope to, do you see yourself with a family? Um, so many thoughts have gone through my head the past, I mean, two years even. Um, I mean, I was with a guy that I was you know, 120% sure I was going to get married to. Um, and we had plans of, you know, the year, the place and everything, how many kids we were going to have. Um, and now I'm just kind of focusing on myself and some of my friends are getting married now. And some of them, you know, are saying that they're not going to get married till they're 32. And I, it's, I mean, it's hard. Um, of course my, career and education comes first now, but I'm hoping to find somebody within the next couple of years. And I mean, by the time I'm 32, I definitely want at least two kids <laughs> and be married. And, but that's, I mean, that's what I've always wanted. So yes, I can see you with kids for sure. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm excited. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about what sex in your twenties and college is like. Yes. that people have been enlightened. Is there anything that you would like to share with maybe like older people that are listening to this, that I, it's almost an ageist thing where you hear people talking about this generation, oh, the millennials and, you know, in a negative way, but I see so many positive things about your generation and, um, you know, whether we like it or not, you all are going to be around for a lot longer than we are. And you're creating our next, our next couple of decades, as far as the workforce goes. And so is there anything that you want to say to the older people that are, are listening? I think, um, parents, especially, um, I know it's hard on my parents, um, you know, seeing me in college and growing up and having boyfriends and all this kind of stuff. But, and I think this generation specifically is more exposed um, and more, 
aware kind of at this age um, because we are making those mistakes. I, I mean, it's healthy to make mistakes, you know, to an extent, but I think just with um, like the sex education in the school and everything, I think it's really um, a good idea to talk, to have the college kids, you know, talk to their parents and everything because I was really close to my parents and um, I had to overlook their opinions and everything, but it was super nice to have parents to talk to about my sex life in college and having boyfriends in high school and everything. And um, I just think it's super nice that they were so open about it. And I think that's really important for sure. So being open and willing to be accepting of the choices right. that you make. And I love that you pointed out it is, it is healthy to make mistakes because that's how you learn. Mm-hmm. Good. Definitely. Yeah. Now it's, um, and of course everybody's going to make mistakes, especially at this age. Um, but if, you know, you talk to your parents and, you know, they tell you like, Hey, this is probably going to happen. Try and avoid it. But if not, here's how you can be safe or, you know, here's how to avoid it completely or, you know, stuff like that. I get it. Okay. That was really just for me so that I know what to tell my kids. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Kenzie. I'm going to let you go. So I, I know you're going to be studying this evening, right? Yep, yeah. I am. <laughs> All right. Well, go study. And thank you again for taking the time to talk with me. And of I will see you soon because okay. we've got some partying to do. Yes, we do. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for the first podcast of the Sex Through the Ages series. Stay tuned next month where we talk to women in their 30s and their journeys through sexuality. Now, if today's stories kind of caused a stirring inside you of maybe wanting to have a conversation with someone else, or find out more resources on sexual harassment or pain during intercourse, it is more common than you think. So if you don't feel like your questions have been answered with the resources that you have, please feel free to get in touch. My information, my website are on the link of the podcast. And last and certainly not least, it takes a village to make things like this happen. So I want to thank the great Nate Kors for the beautiful music that has been provided for this podcast and also rich with wooden pants media. So I look forward to seeing you all next month's podcast with Sexually Speaking with Shannon. This is the Wooden Pants Network.